0: If you have your Bibles with you, church, if you were to open them up to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. That's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. That is the section that we're going to uh, be looking at and unpacking. I've got some presents here. We're going to be opening up during the service. Not real presents. Firstly, Merry Christmas. It's good to uh, be here with you this morning um this is one of my first Christmases that I've been here with you guys at the Ridge at least uh, preaching so it's in- enjoyable to be here to see your faces I hope you've all got uh, the lunches going I sure have we've got gammon salt beef tongue mulva pudding I mean there's loads of stuff to look forward to so I promise I won't uh, keep you here long um but we've been over the last couple of services I keep wanting to say a couple of weeks but Um, last Sunday and the Sunday before, I guess that is a couple of weeks, uh, we have been uh, going through our Christmas series called Christmas 2.0, From Cradle to King. And uh, if you've missed that, you're going to maybe just uh, miss a little bit this morning. So let me just catch you up briefly. On the first week, we discussed the fact that our God is a promise-keeping God. He is faithful. He keeps the promises that He has made. And we know that. Why? Because when we look at Christmas Day, the sending of Jesus, we see that God has kept an incredible promise. Back in Genesis 3, He made this promise that He is going to send someone who's going to crush the head of the serpent. That this person is going to be someone who's going to reconcile man-man. Back to God, And throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, God shapes and molds nations, people, and, uh, and history to make sure that this Jesus would come at the right time for us. And so we looked at that and, and we, we discussed the fact that, man, we can trust that this God is a promise keeper. And I, I just want to remind you again this morning that if God has made and kept this promise, he'll keep his other ones as well. So if you are, whatever situation you might find yourself in, whatever circumstance you might be in, I want you to know that if God would keep Christmas, the sending of His Son, how much more would He keep His others? And so if you are struggling financially this morning, man, God promises He will be your provider. If you are struggling with loneliness this morning, God promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. If you are struggling and are weak and weary, God says he'll be your fortress, your rock, your strength. Man, if, if you are struggling with sin, that this habitual sin that you just can't break, God says whoever the son sets free is free indeed. And you can come to him, he will help you. These are promises that he has made and promises he will keep. But we also discussed that there's a promise that he has made that he has not yet fulfilled. And that is the second coming of Christ. This is Christmas 2.0 where we get our theme from. Uh, He is going to come again. He's promised to do it. But yet we're still waiting. But we can be sure we don't have to doubt. We don't have to forget his coming. Why? Because we can see the first coming. That if he was willing to do this, he's surely going to come again. And we can be confident of that fact. And what this does in us, it stirs up hope. It stirs up joy. It stirs up perseverance as we wait for the coming of our King. But it does require, and this is what we discussed last week, it does require an action. It does require a, a preparation. Last week we looked at Peter saying that, man, Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. And we discuss how us, us South Africans, we know what that is, right? We have a good understanding of that. I, I shared my story of how Alyssa and I were broken into um, about a year and a bit ago. And it was something that was totally unexpected. We were there one night having curry bunnies with my family and then there was an intruder in our house. Unexpected, unplanned. for. That's how the coming of Christ is going to be. It's going to be unexpected and unplanned. for. We, we, it's going to happen. And, and Peter's stirring up in us is saying, man, I want you to be ready. Prepare yourself. Make sure that you know and get ready for his coming because it is going to come. There's going to be no due date. There's going to be no uh, three weeks and four hours time is going to arrive that we suddenly can get ourselves ready for it. But rather, we need to make sure we get ourselves ready. And there were four things in which we looked at in how to prepare yourself for the coming of Christ. The first is that you need to cross the line of faith. You need to believe in Jesus. Man, that is that is the first and foremost thing that you need to do for, he's no longer coming as savior as he did, as, as the, he did in his first coming, but man, he's coming as king in the second one, as judge in the second. So we need to cross the line of faith so we are ready for that. The, the other things for those of us who have, man, we need to spend time in God's word. It's, it's what shapes us, it's what draws us closer to him and helps us reveal the, the magnitude of our God. It helps us to live life to its fullest, to, to enjoy it the most. This is where we need to be spending ourselves devouring that. And we gave you Bible reading plans on how you can do that well. We also discussed the fact that we need to be proclaimers of the message. We need to share it. And though we might feel ordinary, God uses the ordinary to do extraordinary things. And I shared about my, the guy that made an impact in my life, Denver Anderson, who one day in eternity, if you are there, I'm going to be telling you, that's the guy. He made a, he made a change in my life, but ordinary chap, but had an eternal impact on my life. We are made for a purpose for meaning. We are made for the glory of God. If you have breath in your lungs, God is. Um, a plan for you to use you, and he wants to. And lastly, we said we need to focus on the things that are eternal, not the things that are temporal. Let our comfort, let our security, let our focus, let our energy be on the eternal things, not the temporal things. Nothing wrong with the temporal things, but they mustn't be what we desire most, rather what we must desire most is Christ pursuing him. And so we're going to continue on with that theme this morning as we look at this idea of getting ready for the coming of Christ the second coming of Jesus. So let us read our, our passage, uh, 2 Peter 3 verse 9. It's just one verse, so we will read it twice, um, just in case you didn't bring your Bible so you can hear it uh, clearly. It says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, that is the coming of Jesus, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, wishing that any, um, uh, should w- not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Let's read that one more time. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The right place for us to start this morning on Christmas Day is to marvel at the heart of what Christmas is about. That countless years ago, God looked upon a broken world and his heart overflowed with love. Masses amounts of love for this broken world. And that's the reason why he's in Christ. And I think we have the tendency as, as Christians, as humans, to think that God's love is similar to ours. That's either we bring down God's love and we think that his love is lower than it actually is or we make our love better than it is. But the reality of the matter is um, that we look at people differently and we think people deserve our love in different portions based on what they do, right? I think the best way to explain this is Christmas Day. We gather all our friends and family from around the country, maybe some of you are here this morning because you're visiting, and if we have to be honest, some are a whole lot easier to love than others, right? You're laughing because it's true. There's always that one uncle that's a bit more argumentative than the others or that one niece that's a little bit more annoying than the other one. And so while you love them, it's just easier to love the other one. Gary, do you have my, my slide ready? it's up on the back here, I'll read it for you. This little boy, he, he had to write a prayer at school and this is what he wrote. He said, dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all um, of everybody in the whole world. There are only four people in our family and I can never do it. <laughs> hey, I can just hear his mother going, love your sister more. And he's going, oh, this is so hard, so difficult. Man, and, and this is the reality of the matter is our love is fickle. Our love needs to be earned, it's conditional. It's the way the, the reason we respond to people certain in certain ways, it's the reason why we are there to help others, it's the reason why um, we respond to them in, in need is based on love and, and how much we need to love them or don't love them, and so that is really dependent on that. But the crazy thing is this is that God's love is unconditional, God's love is unconditional. Whole world rounded. And I, I want you to hear me here. Listen, this is important. God's love is whole rounded for each and every single person. His love for you, his love for the person who is a different color to you, a different language to you, a different nation to you, a different uh, economic situation or social status to you, a person who is worse off morally than you or better off. God's love for each and every single one is equal. It's incredible. I mean we can barely love our own family equally. Never. He has God loving all people the same with a full amount of love. It's, it's an amazing thing that God could potentially do that or does do that. And this is why we are told in the, um, that the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's the toughest thing to do, but if we can get that right, if we can encapsulate that, what we do is we get God, because God is love. And that's why Peter says, when you are able to love and love well to the full extent, man, it covers a multitude of sin, because in loving, man, we do not sin. But we battle with it. We struggle with it. We wrestle with it. Because loving does not come naturally to us, but it comes naturally to God because it is who He is. He is love. But I think sometimes we have the danger of thinking at Christmas and thinking of the love of God in a general sense. God loves everyone, and I just done myself. But we don't apply it personally. The incredible nature of this coming of Jesus Christ is that 2,000 years ago when he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, is because he loved you. And you and you and you and you and you and you. He loved you personally. That's what he loved. Not just a general sense, but you personally. And there is this incredible nature, is that this incredible thing is that, man, this coming of Jesus, I'm going to unwrap my first present this morning. This coming of this baby. Yeah, I could have just used that one. But the coming of this baby was for you. It came for you. And and this means a lot more to me. I've got this little little rascal here that's making lots of noise that you can hear. He is eight months old. His name's Malakarlo. Just gonna <laughs> He's just gonna eat it. I love him to bits. No, no, you had your chance. I love him to bits. And I promise you now I wouldn't trade him for the world. I wouldn't give him up for you. I wouldn't give him up for the Pope, the Queen. I wouldn't give given up for a nation. But yet God's love for you, you can take him back. Now keep quiet. God's love for you is that he would send his son. It's not an ordinary boy born in East London. It's not, it was the king of kings, the lord of lords. He, he is the eternal son of God who has no beginning, yet he made himself created so that he might die for you because he loved you. He is the son of God who is worshipped. There are hosts of angels who are designed and there who designate to cry holy, holy, holy to this great God. The nations, the galaxies, the creation cry out the majesty of this God. Yet he would humble himself to become a nobody in a nobody town in a nobody family so that he might come to die for you because he loves you. Man, this immortal son of God who, who, who can never die made himself weak so he might be crucified on a cross so that he might die for you. He loves you. This is the measure of his love. It is seen so greatly in the sending of Jesus Christ. But the question that we have to ask ourselves, I guess, is why did he go through so much trouble to do all of this? Last, last couple of weeks, we've discussed that the fact that he has shaped history, he has shaped nations, he has shaped people in order to make this come. Why does he do all of that? And the reason for Christmas is not because of just the sending of a little boy. The reason of Christmas is because God came with a, a purpose. He came to save the lost. He came on a mission. He came with a rescue plan, and that was to rescue us from this great trouble. And this great trouble that we have as humans is our sin. And when I say sin, I'm not talking about this innocent mistake or this tiny little uh, fault inside of us, but rather it encapsulates everything that we are. It, it is our whole entire heart. It's it's all of us. It is um, getting upset because we do not get to do the things that we want to do. Man, it's it's wanting to hurt people that hurt us. It's doing the things that we should not do and, and the things that we should do we do not do. If you want a more theological um, breakdown of what that is, Gwen Grudem says it's breaking God's moral law and attitude in nature. Our very actions do things that are opposed to God. Our very... Attitude, just the thoughts and emotions that run through us, that are hard to control, go against God. And he even goes so far to say that it's our nature, it's who we are. And that's a problem, why? Because as we've already spoken about briefly, as the angels cried out, holy, 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 he is perfect. He's righteous, He is good. And sin is opposed to who he is. It is, it is a rebellion against God. Uh, Romans 5 says we are enemies of him. It's literally rebellion. And that's crazy if we put that into perspective. This is this great God who created the universe. And yet if we had to just think we are a little dot in East London, this tiny minute in this little, this little city. And in our nation, we're even smaller. And in this uh, continent, we're smaller. The world, we're smaller. This galaxy, we're smaller. This universe is smaller. And yet somehow we stand with our fists and shake it towards this God who holds the universe and says, my way, not yours. And the only way that God can deal with this as being righteous and good is to wipe the sin out. And he's going to with the second coming of Christ. So said, he comes as judge and as king. But we have this beautiful thing of the first coming. Where in this between stage, we have this opportunity for us to be able to come to know this Jesus. to, To live for him to glorify him, to make right with him, and that is why he sends his son Jesus, to send this rescue plan. i wrap the second gift this morning. It's a mirror. It's a, it's, what happens when you look in the mirror? You see yourself. Oh, my head's a bit messy. got a bit of stuff on my face, but you see yourself. And there's this need for you to make this message personal for yourself. I've, we've, had, we've opened up our Christmas presents this morning. Uh, actually, as adults, we opened us ours last night, and we had my son and my nephew open up theirs. My son loved the paper more than he loved his gifts. But our gifts were under our trees, and there's this need for me to go and collect it. It was done, paid for by somebody else. And there it was. I had to receive it. I had to take it personally for me. And there's this need to know that this offer of Christ is for you personally and you need to take it. It does not come for just being a good person that you kind of just make it there. It does not come by, or oh, I'm married to my wife or my husband and therefore she's or he is and therefore I am. No, it doesn't come because you uh, grew up in South Africa and we considered a Christian country. It doesn't matter if your family is Christian. It's personal decision that you have to make yourself. Do you need Christ? And the answer is yes. And so will you receive him because he loves you. At the end of the day, you need to make this personal decision of repenting from your sins and coming to know this great Savior, Jesus. And in its life, not just eternal life, but a fullness of one now, it's this great offer, this great gift that you get to experience everything in which you were created for. A purpose, a meaning, it can only be found in Jesus, and you need to accept it yourself. It's a personal invitation. But there's one more gift to open, and it's it's this one here. Now, if you were here two weeks ago, you would remember we had this one here. It's a world. It's, we don't believe in the flat earth, but it's, um, it's just a little bit squished. Um, and the reality of the matter is the coming of Christ is he's going to usher in a new world. It's going to be a renewal of the world that we have, and and there's new coming. He's going to come again. He's going to bring in this kingdom and new heavens and a new earth. It's going to be fantastic. And, and it's going to be glorious. I think we have this skewed perspective of what heaven's like. We think that heaven is playing with harps and baby angels on a cloud in a long worship session. Like we have to sing carols for the rest of eternity. Please no. But that's not what it is. It's a new earth. Man, it's a perfect world. It's going to be like this, but just better. It's going to be glorious. We're going to be able to run around. We're going to be able to go surfing. We're going to be able to go mountain climbing, hiking. We're going to have work to do, and it's going to be great. You're not going to hate every second of it. It's going to be this wonderful place where there's going to be no more crying, no more pain, no more death anymore, no more mourning, no more corruption, no more hurt, no more frustration. Why? Because there's going to be a new king in town, and his name's Jesus, and he's going to rule. We have new bodies that don't hurt, that don't get old. They're going to do wonderful things, and this is the hope that we have. So what we look forward to. so what we long for. This is why it gives us joy and hope and perseverance that we spoke about. Because this is ours in Christ. And often, I don't know about you, but I think, Lord, won't you come sooner? <laughs> I used to think this a lot during high school, during exams. we like, Lord, if you could come tomorrow before that accounting that exam, that would be great. Still sometimes think that, oh, man, life is difficult. Lord, won't you just come? It would be great. So why is he taking so long? We have an understanding Let me read that passage we read twice this morning already. It says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as to count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is patient and slow because he's given you time. I'm grateful he didn't come 14 years ago. 15. I gave my life to the Lord 14 years ago. I am grateful that He has patience. I am grateful that He's taking His time. And I am grateful that He is coming again. But there is a time limit on how long that patience will be because we know He's coming again. And God has been patient because He wants you to give your life to Him. Because He loves you and He wants you to experience the fullness of it. And sometimes we have the tendency to think, not now, later. When I'm older, when I'm out of high school, when I'm in college, I get to college, we're like, no, it's too much fun. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait until I work. No, I'm too busy trying to set up my career. Or wait till I'm married. Your get kids, geez, like, it's busy, you know, I can't do that, that's way too much effort now. When they're older, when they're out of school, when I'm retired, when we've stopped traveling, And time and life ticks on by and you've missed the boat. And the reality of the matter is the older you get, the harder your heart gets. The less likely it's going to become. And the time to give your life to Christ is now, not later. Because you never know. I have had friends that went to, in my year group, I've had like five or six who are dead. I'm 28. They've died over the last 10 years. Life is fickle and short taken in an instance. But it might you might live a long life, but the coming of Christ might come before then. And he's patient because he wants you to know him. Why? Because he loves you. And this is a great gift, and we know it, and we can be sure of it. Why? Because we look at Christmas Day, the coming of us, Jesus. Let us bow our heads and pray. I'm aware this morning that there are some that might not know Christ, and so I want to give you an opportunity. If this message is for you, and you're going, I need Jesus, there's no greater time than the present. Now really, there isn't. And so we want to pray Pray, prayer, and I want you to repeat after me, but it's great for us to know um, who it is. So if you wouldn't mind just popping up your hand, it's, there's no like Jedi force that comes with doing that. But it just helps us to know, man, it helps you to know, I made that commitment that day, I'm sure. So if you would do that. No one, that's fine. If, you, if that is you, would you just repeat, um, repeat this prayer with me? Nothing, nothing amazing. It's mainly about your heart, but we just want to say it out loud so we know for sure. Lord, wait, let's everyone just say it together. Lord, we are so grateful for you sending your son. Would you forgive me for my sin and make me. Uh, and be the Lord of my life. Help me to know you and serve a life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And if, that you did, if that was genuine for you today, I, 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 I request that you share that with someone. A loved one, a family member, us afterwards, if you came here by yourself, that would be great. But for the rest of us who know Christ, man, this needs for us to be stirred to live for his glory. He's coming again. It's great. Be ready. Share the gospel. Tell others about him. He's coming. Amen.